Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Welcome back. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, here with the Happy Hump Day Wednesday episode of The Winkly. I am joined here as I am almost every Wednesday by my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. Raise the roof. Wherever you are right now, if you're like on a bus, if you're at your office, you know, that's fine. Raise the roof. It's okay. Do it with us. I'm doing it. I'm definitely doing it. Uh, we're going to have a great time here today. We had a lot of news drop per usual in the last 24 hours, uh, but we also have two really big, really great interviews. Uh, very excited to release them today. The first one uh, we're going to play here later is with TJ Perkins, TJP, former WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, he has cleared his 90-day non-compete. He is free and off into the Indies for the first time in 11 years, and we're going to discuss his uh, most recent run in WWE, some of the backstage news about why he was released, why he thinks he was released, um, and uh, a lot more. Uh, he hasn't been on the Indies in 11 years, he notes, as he goes through the multiple contracts he's had through Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE. I mean, when you, when you think about it, Justin, I mean, this guy, TJP, for the last 11 years has been under some kind of a contract somewhere. First time he's really getting to experience the independent scene. Yeah, that is kind of surprising. I think, you know, for the fact that, you know, he was last obviously seen, you know, with the cruiserweights, uh, with WWE and such. And, and a lot of those guys are, you know, former quote unquote indie darlings. Um, so you kind of probably, you know, I know I did. You kind of lump him in and think that he's part of that. But you're right. He's been under he's been under a contract with one of the major companies for a decade. Yeah. So uh, very, very good guy. Very well spoken. I know you guys are going to love it. Uh, and then right after that, another big one. The man who just lost the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship, Johnny Impact is going to be here talking about his loss to the machine Brian Cage, Brian Cage's injury, and I even pepper him with a few questions at the end about the current season of Survivor, of which he was a competitor last season. So you really get it all here today, Justin. Do you watch Survivor? you a Survivor fan? No, I watched the, uh, watch the first season way back when, and, and like I think it was on Wednesdays, every way. I mean, I just couldn't, it was, I don't know, whatever day it was, I couldn't wait till that came. Uh, and then I watched the second and third, I think probably about the third season I started falling off okay they're on like 30 something seasons now okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like so this season there's something called edge of extinction where if you get eliminated you can choose to go to another island where you do nothing and barely get fed and then there's two chances throughout the season to try to get back into the game there's one woman who got eliminated first she's been sitting on this island doing nothing for like over a month now and it's like losing her mind is uh is Jeff Probst still hosting it? Dude, he hosts it. He executive produces it. Um, he's very hands-on. He thinks of all the stuff. There's like there's a whole whole big thing there with Probst and Survivor. They're all in it. You know, he owns it. I now. wonder I wonder if, I wonder if he sat down and tracked in the last like 20 years how much of his life he spent on an island. A lot. And now they just film exclusively in Fiji cuz Fiji's government uh, pays them a lot of money to film there. And uh, anyway, you know what? This isn't a Survivor show. This is a pro wrestling show. You want to watch Survivor? It's it's the Wednesday show. It's on tonight. Watch. Check it out. It's great. You're going to hear a little bit about it from Johnny Impact here. We got more uh, announcements and stuff at the end of the show. Of course, we're going to Star uh, StarCast here in a couple weeks. But let's get to the news you can use, news that will leave a bruise. And that is, uh, first and foremost, the Wrestling Observer reporting that Vince McMahon's new wildcard rule was in reaction to pressure from NBC Universal and Fox regarding ratings. Vince apparently fought to keep separate brands, but the networks 
They want more star power. I'll, I'll stop right there. Justin, very interesting dynamic we have here now. Vince McMahon, there's like, I guess, kind of people above him now in creative. That's a little weird to me. Well, this is the problem and dynamic that uh, I've been talking about a lot on my podcast ever since the Fox deal was announced. And I have to give credit to Eric Bischoff, who was, who was the first person I had heard who, who had brought it up prior to my talking about it, which is the dynamic of being on two different networks. And, and, and you know, when these stars show up on Fox's programming, NBC's going to be like, hey, well, why don't we have them? You know, you know, who knows what it's going to be like the on the rare off times that the rock or stone cold or somebody pops up on one show and then how the other one's going to react. It's kind of like having, you know, like two kids and, and, and not being able to favor either one of them. So already, I mean, we're still, you know, six months away from, from SmackDown being moved and we're already seeing, um, you know, we're already starting to hear about the, this dynamic and the possible problems it's going to cause. And yeah, I guess, I guess somebody is kind of above Vince in some, <laughs> some respects, whether he wants to admit that or not. Yeah. Very, that's gotta be, fr- that's gotta be maddening, you know? And, uh, to see how he handled it on Monday night, I mean, it just these these kinds of things where you have to appease, you know, your your big promotions, which are ultimately trying to appease advertisers here. The reason that they are intervening here is because the ratings are down. If Vince's ratings were up, probably would not be hearing these criticisms. Would would be the uh, would be the assumption. Fox want well, no, sh- no good. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say sure. I mean, and you know, it, it, it it's kind of like. Um, you know, I mean, Vince, you know, again, he gets these big, big money deals and all of a sudden the ratings start going down. So if you're a Fox or an NBC Universal, you kind of feel like, you know, not not scam, but, you know, that's not a good look. Um, <laughs> and let's also remember something here, you know, for long, for a long, long time, uh, for the for the bulk that Monday Night Raw had been on USA Network, uh, Bonnie Hammer was an exec who I guess was like USA, you know, programming on USA and sports programming was, you know, something that she was very hands on on and a great relationship with Vince and uh, supposedly was always a big advocate for, for Vince and the WWE product. And, and she no longer is in that same position. I remember a couple months ago reading, there was a, a kind of a shuffle and shakeup of, of promotions. I think she's still with the NBC universal, but she's in a different position, not, you know, with, with Monday night raw, not being uh, in her uh, periphery of, of job duty. So who knows what the dynamic is there with whoever Vince and the WWE are having to work with. Yeah, no, excellent point. Yeah. We, I mean, the, I want to know what this dynamic is like here because I mean, it's it's hard enough, I would guess, to work as a creative team member where you're having to deal with Vince and, you know, the day-to-day changes. Now Vince is being affected by something above him and other outside factors. It just seems like it's getting more chaotic. It's 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 a desperate attempt to fix ratings that feels like too many cooks in the kitchen and you're making the soup too salty. You know, everybody's throwing something in here right now and it doesn't seem to be uh, to making it for a better product. Now, on that note, Fox is said to want both Raw and SmackDown stories on SmackDown. Now, USA has been asking in NBC Universal, they've been asking questions about the declining ratings, specifically the third hour, and they wondered why Roman Reigns would be traded off of Raw. That's a that's an interesting phone call to get from a network executive. Why did you why did you take off the biggest star from this show, you know, at a time when ratings are down? You know, very odd, right? It is odd when you put it in that perspective. Now, uh, I know we'll get to it. I mean, I, I guess technically Roman did help a little bit with Raw with his appearance this past week, but um, yeah, I mean, that that is a very, when you when you frame it that way of of a, of a, of a network exec calling Vince and saying that, um, you know, and, and obviously you know, you know, r- r- you know, probably creatively Roman has probably moved to SmackDown again. You know, refreshing things up. Okay, we've had him work with a lot of guys on Raw. 
this and that, you know, you know, because he's been, as he noted in his promo, he's he's been on Raw for four or five years, so you know, it's kind of that well's kind of gone dry. So you know, creatively, you can understand him being moved to SmackDown, and I think it was one that a lot of us wrestling pundits, you know, kind of understood. But then, yeah, when you have a network saying, "Well, the ratings are down," why would you take him off of our show? Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to respond to that. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is, so like, at what point do the networks have to start like vetting creative ideas? Like, is there? Some like, I mean, but that's kind of where it's like, look, in the future, this won't happen. How about we tell you when we're going to do things and maybe you you hire some outside Hollywood exec to proof our ideas before we put them onto our show? You know, I mean, it kind of sounds like we might be, you know, walking a delicate line in that direction. That would be very hard to manage considering that WWE has no off season and things move so fast. I mean, I mean, you know, networks can get involved with creative of their shows you know, for scripted dramas and, and shows like that, you know, because, you know, and there's off seasons and there's time to prepare and kind of know, okay, here's what we're putting out for the next six months. But with WWE, the way that moves so fast and there are times where they're changing things literally as the show is going on, um, that's going to be, that That would be a rough, that would be a rough body of water to navigate. Well, here's the way that they're going to fix it for now. Roman Reigns is expected to just be on both shows. He's going to be on Raw and SmackDown I would guess as part, I mean, that's one of, I think that's four slots we're up to now you get for the wild card rule. So realistically, it's a Roman plus three rule, I think is what the wild, wild card rule will be. Um, yeah, you know, is that the answer, though? I don't think it is. I don't think putting Roman Reigns on both shows is the answer. I mean, and in, like, again, to sit down and have to, like, explain to a network executive, well, we've got this four-month story arc with Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon and Elias, it's going to build into this awesome SummerSlam match. It's going to be great for this brand. But over on Raw, we got this other four-month story arc uh, with, uh, you know, whoever's uh, AJ Styles. It's going to do the same thing. But you guys are both getting it with uh, with big name talent. You know, it's 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 too complicated. Yeah. It's now, yeah. Now, now, all of a sudden, you're you you're now you're you're going to have several Becky Lynch situations <laughs> where she where you know, there's one feud over in this show, and the next day she's feuding with somebody else, and that's just um, that's that's not. You know, I mean, it's okay with Be- it's one thing with Becky right now because she's holding the title for both shows. So I, you know, you kind of justify that. But if Roman Reigns isn't holding titles that represent both shows, and he's just showing up, and on Monday he's got a real issue with this guy, and on Tuesday this person really doesn't like him. You know, it's like days of the week are are uh, are are what we're predicating our uh, <laughs> who has a problem with who. That just looks bad. Well, on uh, Observer Radio, Meltzer was speculating that this new rule could cause problems for live events in the way of false advertising, right? Because you go to a SmackDown event, you see Roman Reigns is advertised. Whoops, nope, he's on Raw today. Sorry about that. Here's the new day. You know, whatever. Um, this could lead to a decline in live events attendance if people don't think they're going to see that they're advertised, which which makes sense. And to, and to my in my mind, like to to me, why wouldn't why not just pull the band aid and end the brand split? If the issue here is that not, that both networks want everything, end it. Put everybody into one big pot and and go back to telling compelling stories across both brands. You know, you can put one on on one show or the other from time to time, however you want to space it out. But you know, this kind of wild card rule where you're walking a, into a gray area that the fans don't understand, it's very complicated to explain every single time. A, a worse proposition to me than just straight up ending the brand extension and, and moving forward. Well, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, I've 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 long since wondered, you know, why you know why do we need the brand? I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth. I understand there's a lot of talent. Um, so by doing the brand split, in theory, you're supposed to be able to get more talent on each show. But then, yeah, now when you're having to like borrow, t- now when you have to send four people to each show, you start to de- start to defeat that purpose. I wonder from a business standpoint if Vince, um, 
if it's if he likes having two separate brands or two separate rosters on those brands so he can have two separate live event tours. Right. But again, as we're talking about now, you're kind of muddling that water anyways. Yeah, it's 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 getting too complicated. So uh, and I know with the, the live touring brands, you know, maybe this is your chance to to try out NXT in some other markets. You know, if, if you're going to take a couple, if you're going to lose a couple guys to the main roster because you're going to build everything, you're going to build up that NXT brand. It sounds like there's a shot that that could be, you know, on an FS1. Maybe maybe we already have a natural extension here of another brand we can rally around that feels compelling and genuinely different than what we would be getting from Raw and SmackDown. Does that make sense? It, it does, and I mean it. Um, it's all the more where it, I mean, who you know, I, I I didn't predict this when when NXT started. When NXT, and I'm, you know, I'm talking back when you know Seth Rollins was in NXT. Uh, when NXT started, I did not foresee that come 2019. Not just a lot of fan perception, um, but I mean, frankly, it seems like a lot of the talent. Like I would, I did not see that people would rather be probably at NXT or at least, you know, like. And, and I mean, right now NXT, the more and more convoluted the Raw and SmackDown get, it just makes the NXT brand, it makes their takeovers, it makes everything the NXT tour does seem that much more simple yet simple. Keep it simple, stupid, brilliant. Uh, and of course, it makes Triple H look more like a a baby face in the in the. In the behind-the-scenes world, and Vince more like a heel. It's just this is just a, 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 the dynamics that continue to grow on this. And I wonder when is it all going to come to a head? Yeah, I, I absolutely. Now that we're talking a lot about this, I could foresee two loops: one with the Raw SmackDown brand playing bigger venues, and the uh, the NXT brand playing the the next tier down, right? And if you really could get them a little TV exposure, and maybe yeah, transition a couple of the guys from the main roster to NXT here, because again, you're going to have a, a merge here. This is a, it's a it's an all win proposition, and they feel different. Like it feels different. The NXT would, and then you can just everyone can just move on with their lives. It's getting too complicated, you know, too complicated. It's I think it's gonna get more. I think it's gonna get more complicated before it gets straightened out. Great, thanks, thanks, Justin. Uh, all right, well, let's take a look at how it's affected the ratings this week. The raw uh, raw this week drew an average of two point two four four million, up four percent from last week. Um, you can see the uh, the the three hours here. The first hour they did two point four six eight. Second two two four, and then they rounded out the uh, third hour. There were two, you know, kept it above two million two point oh two four. Last week they dipped uh, just below. It was the second lowest viewership of twenty nineteen. The third lowest audience for a non holiday Raw episode in history. Uh, last week's Raw drew the lowest non holiday red brand viewership in history. Um, so slightly above the worst show, the worst <laughs> non live show they've ever done. Um, but not good, right? Not good. No, I I, I wonder what Vince and the network's reaction is. I don't know if if you look at it and say, okay, one step at a time, at least we went up and didn't go down some more. Or, or if you're like, wow, we had Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan and Vince, you know, always, you know, you know, they, they only, you know, Vince doesn't like to be on TV. It doesn't seem like, I think, you know, Vince only goes out there when he feels like he has to, and, you know, so like, you know, Vince starts the show and here's Roman, and here's Daniel Bryan. So I'm wondering if they're going to go, well, we did all of this. We packed, you know, here's Kofi. We packed all of this punch and we only, and we only went up by this much and we wanted more. I, I don't know what their reaction is going to be. That. Uh, I, I guess maybe we'll be able to tell depending on what the what they do next week in terms of how they, you know if Vince comes back out and and, <laughs> and and adds another twist to this. I guess that'll be a sign of okay, uh, they weren't real happy with uh, with with the ratings. Yeah, there's like some real subliminal stuff going on here. It's like the subtext of Raw is maybe more compelling than the actual product, you know. And I did notice too. Yeah, you're right. More Vince for a full half hour of Vince here to start off Raw. Um, Roman uh, across both shows, and then Shane McMahon was in two segments on SmackDown. And I, I definitely got the vibe where I was like, man, they are just leaning 
on some names at focus group really well right now. And uh, it doesn't translate to compelling stories for the most part to me. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what's getting lost here, man. Like we're too too focused on the individuals, in my opinion, and not enough focused on what those individuals are doing. So you're exactly right. You're, I mean, they can they can do all the wild card rules they want and say, oh, this person's gonna make an appearance on this show and this show. But yeah, you're right. If there's not an investment story, and so if this person's randomly showing up on this show as a wild card, then there probably is no story there. No. So this this is just getting this is getting getting further away from fixing the problem. Um, and, and quite frankly. To be honest, there's not a ton. There's not a ton of talents on WWE roster right now that really move the needle to that significance of where if you say, "Oh, look, they're popping up here the randomly this week," that it's going to be a major surge. I'm not saying there's not talent that's not interesting, but you know, you know, the only the only talent that's going to turn that could that could make a drastic, you know, like you know, Stone Cold randomly appears, or you know, when you get or The Rock, when you get those when those super legends have the appearance, obviously the needle goes through the roof on those segments in those weeks, but you don't have that every week and you can't rely on that every week. Um, those guys are done. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, there's nobody on the active full-time roster that just an appearance is going to move the needle that drastically. It has to be an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's something that can hopefully transition a bit outside of the WWE bubble, you know, some hook or something like that to get some genuine buzz around it because yeah, it's all like trapped in a little bit of a void right now. So more stories, more stories. Uh, Russell Observer uh, noting that the WWE uh, began releasing the Ron SmackDown videos in social media after the show in attempt to help the ratings. So, you know, we speculated about this yesterday, but yeah, YouTube videos went up during the third hour of raw. Uh, the videos on Twitter still seem to be going out as normal. I mean, again, they tried it out this week marginal bump you know i guess we'll try it again next week here since there was some some success it seems like bringing more people back to the table but uh i i, I don't know does this do anything for you do you think it, it's gonna affect anything doing it doing it this way well it really it really is only gonna make a big difference if they they have to put even more of a delay on when they upload it because i mean I, I know a lot of people um especially people who i've talked to fans who i've talked to um who are like 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 over you know in europe you know that they have to you know if they want to watch it live they gotta um you know they gotta they gotta stay up or, or even people here in the u.s i mean still i, I know a lot of people that, that you know that that will either use dvr and fast forward at, at later or they will just you know catch up the next morning at work um you know and just watch some youtube clips so i mean i think for this to really be successful for the for, if the idea is okay you have to watch raw and smackdown live uh, you can't you just, you know, they, they'd have to wait till like, you know, Thursday of that week or Friday of the week until they start uploading stuff. And I and I don't see them doing that because all because all of their social media experts or consultants are going to say, no, you know, you're going to devalue the, the the power that our channel has and, 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 and the importance. And, you know, we're one of the most followed you know YouTube channels. And so I don't see them doing that. So, I mean, then putting a delay. Of, OK, let's wait till 11 p.m. when the show is over to upload stuff. That's that it still kind of defeats the the purpose of of what you're trying to do yeah it's you know and again it's just like if everything was just doing better right none of this stuff would be a problem right and like i guess that's you know maybe that is the problem is like we got to figure out a way to retool some things you know obviously the model we're doing right now is not doing us any any favors but again when i go back to it i look at i go what is compelling about this product it's not the it's not the problem with the social media distribution they're incredible at that right it's not production qualities i do think there's some stars there it's just what am I watching? You know, what is the compelling television I'm watching right now? Probably the bigger right. bigger question to ask. Uh, AEW, uh, on that note, uh, probably the reason they're feeling even more pressure here is there's a dragon breathing down their neck. Uh, AEW has sent out a press release just this morning 
announcing ITV, the largest commercial television network in the UK, as their UK broadcast partner for Double or Nothing. It'll air on ITV's box office, and it will feature a one-hour free buy-in pre-show that features the Casino Battle Royal and Kip Sabin versus Sammy Guevara. Pretty big news to start the day. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty legitimate for them over 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 there, and uh, it makes you kind of wonder, okay, will this will the, will the same distributor be distributing some weekly television that they have come the fall uh, to that to to the to you know to over there, or and it also kind of is like a little prelude of you know, as we're all sitting here, you know, waiting for the official announcement of where they're going to be here in the United States on television, um, you know, and it's not like this is some mom and pop operation as you said this is the largest commercial you know over there so i mean this is a this is a good sign for AEW again and and the they continue to have they continue to have great success with the rollout of their announcements yeah and it is this was if nothing this was just a little chum in the water i think for everybody who's like what's a where's your tv broadcast update and i'm like we've got one for you today the uk broadcast update you know yeah uh i still i mean i, I get the vibe we're, we're circling in here on getting a pretty good idea of their television deal in the next week or so we'd have to we got to know where this stuff is going to be broadcast, at least for the pay-per-view. Um, Deadline reporting that John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, is listed under his real name of Jonathan Good as an actor for an upcoming MMA pro wrestling movie. It's going to be executive produced by Jay Resso, a.k.a. Christian. And the movie tells the story of a lauded MMA champion who unexpectedly, unexpectedly loses a heavily promoted fight to a pro wrestling star making his crossover debut in the world of MMA. Humiliated by the loss, the fighter must fight his way back to the top and earn a rematch. The movie also stars real-life MMA fighter and actor Josh Herdman, Michael J. White, Gina Gershon, Michelle Ryan, Jason Mazza, as well as MMA legends George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, and Alexander Gustafson. That's a, you know, we were all wondering, what's Moxley's next move? Now we know. Movies. Yeah, and, and I think it also just adds a little bit more, probably, you know, to those. I know that the, to those who are still thinking this is all, you know, the Moxley video, and this is all still the workings of WWE. I, I think to me, this again is another, just another sign of, you know, he he is truly done with WWE for now. All right, I I, I have to to point out here, right? Um, you know, Jay Resso, aka Christian, the executive producer here, doing this movie about an MMA champion, pro wrestler. Not re- a versus pro wrestler. Not really sure where they're at in the process of this. Not sure if it's started being filmed yet. None of that seems to be mentioned here. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the vignette that he released on social media featured him in like a boxing gym, right? Uh, that's correct. And in this movie, he's playing the MMA champion who would be training more in like an MMA boxing type gym as opposed to a pro wrestling gym, right? I'd assume so. Mm, just interesting. You know, movie, film quality, production, executive producer Christian. I don't really know where all those pieces lead, but that's a that's just an observation I thought of when I was reading this. No, it's a very good one. I hadn't I hadn't, I hadn't even pieced that together since hearing this news about the movie. You know what is also kind of interesting, Justin, while I sat and I thought about this this morning, you know, Christian has kind of been in the same spot Mox is in right now. You know, he was one of the guys who walked away from WWE and made like a big splash over in TNA at the time. And it was like kind of one of the first guys to do something like that during that period. Yeah, he was. I mean, yeah, he, when he, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was, I mean, I think the only person that really prior to him was, I think was Kurt Angle, correct? Yeah. Well, Kurt came in just before uh, Jay, I think, right? Like a couple months or something like that. That's yeah. So I mean, Kurt did it. And then, and then, and then Christian. Was it Kurt first and then Christian or was it Christian first and Kurt? 
Uh, well, Kurt went in, I think, 05 or 06. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what Christian was, if, if he would if he was doing something in okay. WWE at that time. All right. Well, but he would understand the power of, of helping a wrestler make a big splash transitioning that way, correct? Sure. Actually, you know, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking about it, I actually think Christian was first. I think he was first, too, because I remember all the noise at the time where they were like, nobody's doing this kind of stuff right now. Who would walk away from a WWE deal? I think that he went first and Kurt followed him. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause I think, cause I mean, cause Christian was backed by, cause he was back and having, you know, some matches with Randy Orton and such. He, he was backed by, I think like Oh nine. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, when it's like, okay, well, you know, it could just be nothing a movie listing and all that, you know, I just sat there and looked at it and I was like, well, you know, Jay certainly been a guy who, who just been known to go to the beat of his own drum, do his thing. Um, also interesting notes here in this movie, uh, about, you know, what Ambrose is doing there. And we've all had so many questions about who produced that video. What, what happened with it here? I don't know. Could be a little clue here staring you in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, I I hadn't pieced it together. So, and again, the film quality and, you know, the the quality of the, of the package. So it makes a lot of sense that it, it was kind of a, both a brand hype video and, you know, a little teaser to, you know, what project he is going to do yeah uh, um so uh back to the world of wwe here daniel bryan and eric rowan are the new smackdown tag team champions they defeated the usos uh because they had to uh they were about to just be given the titles by shane mcmahon uh daniel bryan teased in a backstage interview following the show that the leather straps have got to go they're going to become eco-friendly tag team titles which is great i love this um but yeah you know i i wonder what's really going on here justin because they pretty quickly brought bryan in to have that loss to Kofi on Raw last night, turned him around and just set him off in a whole other direction here, decided to keep him in the tag team. Something something in my gut says this guy is not quite at 100% yet. Yeah, I would agree. Tag team, you know, definitely something that could help protect him or ease him back into things. Uh, but, I, you know, but I like this. I like the fact that it kind of reinforces that, you know, Eric Rowan is, is, is associated with Dan O'Brien. This certainly is a big, you know, rub and push for, for Eric Rowan. Um yeah, so I, I don't hate this. It's, it's it's fresh. We've never seen you know, this is the first time ever Brian and Rowan have been tag team champions, so it's fresh. So I uh, I really don't have a problem with this uh, just on face value from it happening, you know, a day ago. No, no, I think they'll be great in the tag team division. You know, good use of them. Happy to see Eric Rowan in the mix. I was a little nervous because we didn't see him on Raw or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I, they'll be great. I'm just kind of wondering why the decision was made to, to spin Daniel Bryan out of the main event picture because I thought for sure he was going to be in there for a while, at least through SummerSlam, you know? Well, but mix it up, you know, give, I mean, certainly, certainly, you know, having Brian involved in the tag team division is a shot in the arm to the tag division. Yeah, that's true. And they need it on SmackDown right now. Um, Aria Davari is going to face Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight Championship at Money in the Bank. I wish I knew more about what was going on with this. This just got kind of announced, but uh, I got to go watch some 205 Live, I guess. Find out what's going on with this feud. Um, also originally announced for SmackDown last night, Charlotte Flair, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose versus Carmella. Bailey and Ember Moon. That match did not happen. It was changed to just Revo- Re- Rose and Deville teaming up to beat Carmella and Moon. No word on why Flair and Bailey were pulled from the uh, from the match listing here, but based on what was posted on social media uh, that evening, it looks like this match was pulled one to three hours before SmackDown hit the air. Uh, very odd. What do you think happened here? I don't know. Uh, and this is, I mean, this is just another. This is just another change, especially as it comes to with the females uh, and, and, and the handling of some of the stuff with them uh, dating back to, you know, whatever got Sasha Banks all riled up with WrestleMania with her and Bailey losing the title. So I, I don't know what could have happened here. I mean, again, and it, it's hard to pinpoint because, there's so, you know, as we've talked about here on this show, between uh, network reactions to things and wild cards and 
injuries and temper tantrums. It's, <laughs> I mean, it could be any list of things that have, that, have, that, that caused the change. Yeah, there's not much. We Obviously, we don't know anything other than that. I don't. Were they on the show last night? Were Charlotte and Bailey on the show? I was like scratching my head here to think. I didn't go back and like check though. Um, I, I, I my viewing last night was was not as. Uh, focus as, as it normally would be i don't think they were i don't believe they were either so yeah really interesting so you know maybe we'll find out something more about that what happened here uh next week or tomorrow <clears throat> chris van villet sat down for an interview with rhino uh where he said his last day with wwe is july 17th he's not under a 90-day non-compete his contract will be done july 17th he claims he was offered twice the downside guarantee but turned it down he said he wants to be on the road working and helping younger wrestlers um, it sounds like it was an amicable split. He, amicable split. He just wanted something different than what they wanted. Uh, he leave and he leaves the door open to working for AEW, ROH, or New Japan Pro Wrestling. This man is still under WWE contract. I love pro wrestling right now, Justin. Well, yeah. What are they gonna What are What are they gonna do to him? <laughs> I I mean, it's not like he's It's not like he's on TV much, anyway. It's not like they're gonna say, "Oh, we're gonna." Uh, we're gonna bury. I mean, you know, he's he's he obviously is very much in control of his own his own life and destiny, and 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 <laughs> have at it. I love him in this interview. You should go watch it if you want to go find it because he's just like chilling outside with Chris, like outside of a boatyard. But it's not his boatyard, Big Daddy's boatyard, because it's getting painted. But he's wearing his Big Daddy's boatyard shirt and just looks so happy. He just looks so at peace with himself, you know. Yeah, and Chris and Chris does. I got to get Chris a plug. Chris does a really good interviews. I, I've known Chris um, back when he was just working in Cleveland. I actually he, he was a special guest ring announcer at a big pro wrestling show I was working on in I think like 2010, 2011. A uh, real nice guy, and he's really blown up. Uh, I mean, he got the only interview with John Cena on WrestleMania weekend. I mean, he's he's a good interview. So I definitely uh, yeah, definitely go check it out. Yeah, for sure. Great job there. Uh, really enjoyed the Rhino interview. Uh, pro wrestling sheet confirming that Alexa Bliss and Buddy Murphy have broken up. They broke up in the fall of last year. It sounds like the split was amicable. Uh, they are both friends. Uh, I watched Total Divas, um, and this doesn't surprise me a whole ton. They did have some issues that were like on the show. Um, but yeah, there you go. That was like the mo- one of the most traffic news items of the day yesterday, Justin, was the uh, was this. Well, Alexa Bliss's love life is, and I'm not being, I'm not being sarcastic. Alexa Bliss's love life is a very interesting to the fans. I, I, I bet it, yeah. You know, you got, hey, you guys, you've all got a shot. Everyone, all of you. Um, and lastly, well, I don't know about come on. Uh, and lastly, here, lastly, here, um, we uh, we got some good news here about Ross and Marshall Von Eric. They have signed with MLW. Of course, Ross and Marshall will f- uh, were featured in the uh, the most recent episode of Dark Side of the Ring, the last of the Von Erics. Uh, Justin, did you get a chance to to peep this particular episode? I did. Um, I, I did. And first off, I hadn't. I did not know that um I, I did you know i knew i knew there was one remaining von eric from that generation of the brothers i did not know that he had uh kids and, and much less kids but but um the kids who were tra- you know trained and 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 pursuing pro wrestling i did not know that um obviously they you know they good size they look good um I, i'm curious if they have been signed with mlw or have been intending to sign with mlw for some time now and mlw just waited to announce it fresh off of the airing of this episode or if the people at MLW saw the episode and said, well, let's go offer them something. Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no idea. But good good hire here by Court. I would imagine he watched the episode, just called him, and was like, anybody talk to you guys right now? No? Great. Want to come to MLW? You know? If you haven't, yeah. if you haven't seen it, 
You got to go watch that one. Go watch all the Dark Side of the Ring episodes. Someday, someday a, a substitute teacher will show this to a classroom as a quasi-historical uh, entity <laughs> to kill time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's history. Come on. Um, but uh, they're all so well done. I've really enjoyed the series. And, uh, yeah, man, I did not. I knew, like, I knew that the Von Erichs had, like, struggled and stuff like that. I did not know the full story. I really hope these kids can succeed because uh, this this family has been to hell and back. Uh, yeah, I don't even I don't even have the right appropriate words to kind of <laughs> to kind of add anything to that. But yeah, I agree. My guest at this time was the winner of WWE's 2016 Cruiserweight Classic. He's also a former WWE Cruiserweight Champion. He has wrestled all over the world, pretty much for everybody. It is TJ Perkins. TJ, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. No, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So so let's get to it here. You are, uh, once again, a free agent, to the best of my knowledge, out in the world of independent pro wrestling. Uh, what are your goals now that you are free and clear of WWE and out making a name for yourself elsewhere again? Well, it's uh, it's funny. I, I, I haven't... I'm, I'm learning how to be a wrestler all over again. <laughs> That's the best way to to put it because it's been, gosh, like uh, I had a little bit of time uh, a few years ago before I uh, started with WWE. But uh, other than that, uh, it's been maybe 11 years, I think, since I wasn't under contract somewhere. Uh, going back, uh, I mean, everybody kind of heard my story from the Cruiserweight Classic uh, about you know, being homeless and stuff like that. Yeah. Coming out of that time, uh, I, I signed a contract to be part of what was, I, if people remember it, it was a Lucha Libre USA, an MTV wrestling show. Yeah. And uh, so I did like a few seasons there. And then from there, I bounced to Ring of Honor for a year or two, then to TNA for like three or four years. And I had a few months between that and, and WWE. And so it's like, I haven't had this much freedom in, gosh, almost a decade. So I'm like, and wrestling has changed so much. It's blown up and the independent scene is huge now. And I've never seen it like this. And, you know, I've been doing this 20, 21 years and I've never seen the independence look as bright and as so broad reaching and have such cool stuff to do as, as it does now. So it's exciting. That's crazy to think that you have been <clears throat> wrestling for over two decades because you don't look it at all. You know, I was looking at this, <laughs> Because I'm 34, and I feel like I look young. And I looked, and I was like, oh, he's like the same age as me, and you look even yeah. younger than me. Like, you are, you've got a baby face. <laughs> uh, how are you? Um, how, how are you? So, like, you, you said that they're so different now. Like, what are, the, what are the real differences you notice in the independency now as opposed to, like, 11 years ago when you were last kind of in this environment? Well, um, I, the, so a, a lot of the... Uh, there's there's a lot of really notable I think I, I mean I think I, I don't always have my pulse on on <laughs> on uh, social uh, you know trends and things like that but it seems like there's a lot more like notable like kind of high banner indies that are out there because I mean before a lot of times you would see like you know your pro wrestling gorillas and stuff like that that a lot of people would kind of flock to and a lot of eyes are on and then other stuff was a little bit more regional in terms of reach. Um, but now it seems like there's a lot that have like like a, a a huge reach to the entire like indie wrestling like fan community, and uh, that didn't you know those type of tentpole type shows didn't really 
there wasn't a lot of them, you know, before. Um, so that's a big difference. And, you know, with, uh, like stream services and things like that and, and, uh, the way that things can be like distributed and broadcasted now that changes the game a lot too. And that's a lot of stuff that as I was growing, I was kind of missing it because I was, you know, in TNA or some other place where, um, you know, it was set up differently. So a lot of that is different too. I'm used to, I mean, when I started indie wrestling, it was like, you'd be lucky if they put it on VHS. A lot of places didn't even tape their shows. So, you know, then it was like, you know, DVDs and stuff like that. So I just think that like the ability to see it now is, uh, is incredible. I've never, you know, it's never been this way. Yeah. We're, we're MP4 trading now. <laughs> tape, tape trading is dead. It's MP4 trading now. It's very different. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, now you are coming right off of this like title run caliber WWE run uh, you had the past couple of years. I know you got to be somebody that's in high demand. You know, I hear a lot uh, from different wrestlers, you know, oh, there's, you know, the independent scene so vibrant now you can do really well there. I mean, are you are you able to do comparably now on the indies what you were making in WWE? Is it that similar or is it more of a struggle to, to hit that amount? You know, I thought, like, I mean, because that, that's kind of the big unknown, you know, especially for somebody like me. Like, I've been tied up in, in one place or another for, you know, for a while now, like like we were saying a second ago. So, you know, I, I wasn't really sure. And I'm not really a big fan of me. So <laughs> it's hard to place the value on myself a lot of times. But, um, but uh, I do know that, like, I mean, for... I was pleasantly surprised with like the amount of, of stuff there is to do, you know? Um, and for even just the second half of the, cause I think I, I only have like half the year that I'm starting now from like May till, till the end, but just in half the year alone, I'm probably going to more than double what I would have otherwise made if I had stayed. So, Man, um, that's crazy. And to so me. It, it's yeah. And so it's absolutely, um, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely uh, possible in that case. I mean, I would say saying that it's possible would be almost downplaying it because it's, I, I think now a lot, like the way that wrestling used to be so archaic in terms of business, you know? Yeah. And I feel like now people who are freelance, they understand the capabilities and the possibilities of, of what they can do to be their own brand and be their own entity. And I think with that comes the ability to be better business people. And I think a lot of people have been able to figure that out. So there's like the freelance side of wrestling now is becoming standardized. Like people know what they can do and they kind of start checking off all the boxes and then they're able to do, you know, really good business for themselves. And I know for me, like it kind of happens automatically. Like I'm looking forward to the rest of the year more so than maybe any other year I've ever had in the last 21 years. Wow. That's dude, and so you say that though more than double and half the year you say like this has got to be getting out into the WWE locker room and stuff. I mean, what does that do to morale and stuff to the locker room when guys know that there's more money to be made, uh, there's greener pastures on the other side of the wall, unlike it's been in years before. Well, I mean, everybody's different, you know, because uh, when when you think about it on paper, I mean, it seems like like maybe an obvious point of contention, but you know, some people it, it's, it's really a question of peace of mind. Like for me, I always thought, well, if I've never, if I have if I never had the opportunity to be my own boss again or something like that, 
then okay, I'll be fine with it. Because, you know, obviously you're making good money if you're in a place like a WWE or a TNA or wherever you are, Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan, uh, AAA, CML, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also like, you, there's a lot of work that you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. And not everybody kind of wants to, I guess, be like The Rock, you know, where you're always on your phone, you're always working on something, you're always meeting with somebody, and you're your own boss. So the sky's the limit. There's no glass ceiling, but it's, it's a lot of work. So if you're not motivated and that doesn't excite you, then for some people, that's a burden. And especially when you're starting out, that can be a burden. It's hard. You know, uh, when I was younger, I would have never really wanted that. Um, so for some people, they, you know, they enjoy being in an environment where they're like, okay, I'm under this banner. Yeah. There's a glass ceiling on me, but it's good living. And there's a lot of stuff I don't have to worry about. So I'm, kind of turn on autopilot so for a lot of people it's like that mm-hmm. for me um you know i like it i like having i, I didn't think i would but i i've grown to enjoy you know being busy because i've you know i have so many projects and things that i'm working on a lot of them are not even wrestling related necessarily and a lot of them are wrestling related but stuff that i wasn't going to be able to do if i had stayed in wwe so for me it's really exciting because you know, I have that motivation, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you're either an apple or an orange, like in that case, in terms of being a, a performer, like do you either want that peace of mind or you don't uh, really care for it. And then if, if so, then you are motivated to kind of, you know, be your own boss and dive into the water. Yeah, man. Very well put, you know, and you were somebody I thought the company was really like building around, right? Like you won the cruiserweight classic, you were their quote unquote first ever cruiserweight champion, right? Which I think is, not true, right? Because there were other cruiserweight champions. You were just the, <laughs> the reboot cruiserweight yeah. champion. Um, and I read some yeah. interviews, you know, where you would talk about how you were going to bat for yourself and trying to pitch ideas. There's just nothing gripping. I mean, why ultimately do you think that it didn't work out with you in WWE? Well, I think uh, it's really just a question of volume. Um, they just have so many. They have so many items in the cupboard, you know. And uh, when you have so many players on the roster and there's only so many positions and so many games to play, then, you know, you have to make a decision when you're in that position, you're going to go with what you feel is best to go with. And I can never, I've never believed in faulting somebody in that position for that. Cause it's not, it's not my team. It's not my money. It's not my investments. What they want to go with is what they want to go with. Um, and for a while, the plan was to figure something out for me. I, I mean, up until the end, it still was. It's just, uh, they just didn't know <laughs> what position they needed me to play in the end or where, where I could fit that in because, you know, they, they're working with so much. And a lot of the guys, as you can see, you know, they just, uh, they don't, they don't get to be seen. And, you know, it's just one of that. Yeah. There's a lot of talent I feel right now that's taken to social media, you know, they're airing their grievances you know, um, do, do you do they echo a lot of kind of what you were feeling there towards the end? I mean, was there a general malaise to the locker room or is that built up of talent that seems unhappy there at the moment? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, I mean, the morale is low at all. I mean, everybody's happy, but, um, you know, everybody has their own things. So every now and then, you know, you see somebody pop off. But yeah. then if I, I would see that, but then I would. Uh, if I see, I mean, I don't see a lot of it because I tend to stay kind of away from social media in that way. Like I, I tend not to really 
read or think about anything wrestling or like I usually I'm, I'm thinking about I like it's like basketball or something if I'm on Twitter <laughs> but or video games but um but you know if I catch something like that I'll see it a lot of times it would surprise me because I'd say wait I just saw him 12 hours ago at Smackdown he was fine he was happy so you don't really know you know a lot of people just have their own frustrations and it tends not to hit them until it's like they're boarding a flight at 5 a.m and then they're like man I'm really upset about this. And, you know, maybe it's not that serious, but it just kind of, you know, manifests in that way. And, you know, everybody's human. They, I mean, I am too. Like some, sometimes I'll say things and I'm like, man, it wasn't that serious. I probably shouldn't have said that, but you know, it did happen. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you brought up the video games thing. I wanted to ask you, was that your idea? The entrance that you had? Cause you had one of those badass WWE entrances that I think we've seen in a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, I wanted to, so, uh, CFO had called me because they they were uh, they were set to make uh, music for me and they had asked me do you, you know do you like what you had in the Cruiserweight Classic and I said I like the song but I don't know that it is necessarily like my style it doesn't necessarily suit me and so I always had this idea that I wanted that as my aesthetic and I didn't this, that's an example of the disconnect between <laughs> creative from like NXT and WWE, like, I didn't want to, like, walk around using gamer lingo. Like, I, I didn't intend to be, like, a Fortnite streamer. Like, like that was going to be my character. Okay. But I just wanted, the, you know, just the music and the visual, the aesthetic, and then I'll be who I am because, you know, like, modern wrestling and especially wrestling fans know this, and they, they this is what they would prefer. But sometimes they're not always given this, is that we, we're all different people. We have layered characters. There's more than just you know, a basic baseline, what you see is what you get. So like, for example, Seth is not like 24 seven, this like head banging, like mosh pit, like thrash dancing guy, just because his music sounds like that. And that's his aesthetic doesn't mean that he doesn't have all these layers that make him so much more interesting, the character he does. So, um, you know, like, Sean wasn't like a male stripper. That's just, it's <laughs> just kind of like the, the aesthetic he had is a rock star, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so video games was just something that I thought, okay, this is something that a lot of people, especially in our age group can identify with and like nerd culture and stuff like that is, is something that's, you know, there's community out there for it, but it's not being, you know, represented other than like Kenny Omega. There's like not a lot of people do it. So I was like, that's, just the aesthetic I wanted, but their creative, not really understanding me, took it way, way, way into like left field. Now, talk to me a little bit. You said that the the differences between NXT and WWE creative, because it's you know very obvious to to myself and a lot of fans that there's just a very different tone to the two products. Like, what was the differences between uh, for you working with NXT creative as opposed to the the main roster creative? <laughs> Um, well, I didn't do a whole lot of NXT. Yeah, um, you got you guys kind of but, skipped NXT, like the Cruiserweight Classic guys. You you guys just got right into it, right? Yeah, well, especially me. Like a lot of the guys, they they did have to go to NXT and do like house shows and and be like training and stuff in the PC. But like I I like literally like moved there just to be told, no, we don't want you doing this. You're going straight to Raw. And I was like, okay, <laughs> but but like they're their like creative team and production they do like you know like the may young classic or like the uk 
stuff and like the CWC. So I worked with them initially for all that stuff. And it's just the, there's not much difference, I guess, in regards to, I know it seems like there would be in regards to like tone, Mm -hmm. but I think that only comes up because like one group knows that they're definitely going to have to work directly with Vince on something. Mm -hmm. And the other group knows that they really aren't working with Vince on something. Other than that, they're just two totally separate teams. So, you know, just because you work really well with one and they're familiar with you doesn't mean the other group will know anything about you. I gotcha. Yeah, how, you know, and Vince McMahon really is the linchpin these days. You know, I look at, you know, why NXT talent doesn't (laughs) transition to the main roster quite the same way. Everybody kind of seems to point fingers towards Vince's direction. How is working with Vince McMahon on a creative level? I mean, for me, it was it was always a lot of fun, and it was always really fulfilling. Um, he really is like a father figure to everybody, and he's really more of a normal dude. People just, I mean, I can't stress it enough how normal of a guy he is. I think people are more just scared of his door than anything else. Um, he's soft-spoken. He listens really well. He cares about your ideas. Um, I, I've made mistakes, and... and thought oh man i'm gonna get like <laughs> like uh the the legend like angry vince at me and it was never like that he would just tell me like this is this is actually what i wanted from that and and you know you guys did this instead or whatever um he was always really amazing to work with as far as that goes and uh and he's really smart you know i learned a lot like being able to work with him and when i would have stuff that he would like or didn't like. I always learned something new about like why that was the case. And it, it made me way better of, you know, a person in this game, I guess you could say, uh, by being able to have that interaction. Yeah. You know, and you know, when you talk about how, you know, there's the one team that works with Vince, there's the other team that doesn't, I mean, the ratings are, are down right now. Do you think that the creative direction of Vince is kind of the at the issue right now, or do you think that it's maybe some other intangible you've noticed that's really not resonating with fans right now? Um, I think that there is a natural ebb and flow of uh, attention, you know, and I think that people don't. If uh, if you're on one side of the curtain, you maybe don't understand it. And that, that's with everything in life. Like, for example, like we think, uh, okay, like the NFL is so awesome. Like we love football, whatever, whatever. But there's like how many months we don't get any football. And if it was around, there would be a down period some, at some point where we'd be like, okay, we're kind of over it for a second. Like look at Major League Baseball, for example. And th- these are just sports things, you know, but it, it's the same way with television. Like, Major League Baseball, a huge season, and we love opening day. We love the first few months. June and July, you know, any team has, like, a dip in attendance or whatever, and then come the fall, everybody's into the postseason. Um, same thing with television. The shows are go, they go off of season, so, like, there's a period of time where all you're seeing is reruns, and then everybody's glued to their TV when it's like, okay, the new Game of Thrones season's about to drop, something like that. So I think with us, it's like, since it's year round and it's not like, I mean, even something like, like uh, the Simpsons or something that has like a long run, 
you know, for like our whole lifespan, they're still making new content, which is amazing, but they still work at seasons. And so I think for us, it's like, there's going to be a down period where just your subconscious attention span as a human is going to be like, well, I've, I've, I've kind of had my fill of this for a little bit. So you kind of go on autopilot with the product. And then I've always thought that like our season was like January to like maybe May like that WrestleMania season and that, that brief post WrestleMania season. And then after that, a lot of times people kind of tune out until like SummerSlam. And then that's kind of like the fall season, you know, like kicking off around that time. Yeah. So I just think that there's a natural ebb and flow to it because you could see it even like, like when I first got came in, uh, it was like summer of 2016. Every arena I showed up to, there were so many people waiting outside to like, meet everybody and stuff like that. Like I'd be out there for half an hour just signing, just trying to go to the front door. And when I would go to house shows, stuff like that. But then later in the year, I'd go to like house shows or wherever. And it was like way less. You might see like 50 people outside. And then another time of the year, it'd be like massive again. So it would just kind of go up and down. I don't necessarily think it's tied to uh, creative content necessarily because it felt like we had the same crew and we were doing relatively the same stuff, but there's just a natural ebb and flow to it that I think people don't know that that's just the way it is with everything. Like um, we just don't have an off season for it. I got you. Now you were the first, uh, the first ever cruiserweight champion. Again, I say tongue in cheek, but uh, <laughs> first ever. <laughs> when you, for, well, let's comment on that. Cause they did, didn't they call you the first ever cruiserweight champion on TV? And everyone was like, what WTF, what is going on here right now? Um, well, I think, I think just cause it was like a different um, lineage. And so that's kind of hard to explain without using a full sentence so that, you know, they need something that will fit onto like a little like index card size write-up. And, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say first ever cruiserweight champion within the last 10 years of this generation, only because we started a new title and we're going to do something totally different. Like that's kind of hard to put all in one thing. So it's just like, you know what? Just call him first ever. Please do not acknowledge Hornswoggle, right? Just tack that on at the end there, right? He is not cruiserweight. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat with everybody else. Like, I think everything deserves acknowledgement. And, you know, I've always, uh, <laughs> I was always, even in interviews, I was always, you know, like shouting out all the people who I thought were the goats of our, you know, division, I guess you could say, but I do understand that it was like a different title. So it's like, you know, if they didn't call the universal title, the universal title, like if they called it the world title, it would still have its own lineage. So you'd have to say, was the first world champion or whatever even though that's not technically the case but it's a different title man it's a head thinker it's like we're doing some logic right now some word math we got going on by by the way (laughs) i like those alternate realities of like comic books and stuff you know oh man yeah man did the room get real smoky in here all of a sudden i don't know what's going on um look uh i did think it was funny as we were talking about there you and hornswoggle now you guys are available we could get that cruiserweight clash that we always wanted to see between former champions now Oh, yeah. El Bombero versus mini El Bombero. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now, but why bring this up? Because, you know, I just want to know, like, what what were you being told? Like, what were your impressions about how the cruiserweight division was going to be handled and treated? Well, um, I didn't really know it would be a division. Uh, nobody really did. Uh, I think they didn't say until 
gosh, maybe like the finals that, okay, we're going to have, uh, oh, no, no, I think the finals we, no, actually, I don't think we even knew that we were going to have a show. I think maybe around the semifinals, like the la- maybe like the last night of the tournament, they were like, okay, and we're going to have a bunch of you guys on Raw and include you like this. And we're going to like do up the colors of the ropes and all the, well, all those little details. And we, we found that at like, like the end of the tournament. It's almost at the same time as everybody else. So we didn't know we were going to have a show until like way later than that. Damn. And so like, did you get the impression you guys were going to be a big featured part of the show or did you, did you walk in with hesitation? Like this seems a little confusing. I don't really know what's going on here. (laughs) A little confusing, but that's, they have, uh, that's kind of the way that they do business in terms of communication though because they, they, they're really vague they don't like to like promise stuff because things are always changing right so i can understand being in their shoes like don't communicate something that sounds a certain way because if it turns out to change you don't want to be left holding that bag and you don't want somebody expecting a different bag so you know the the way they would put it is in their not that it's going to be like a small thing so we we thought it would be Maybe about what it was, but I mean, we, we felt like it would be a, uh, like a kind of a bigger and exciting, like new inclusion, which I mean, in, in theory, that's what it was, but, um, but you know, they, they don't like to put like, to put it to you in a way that like, it's going to be like this and this and this, because, you know, it may not turn out exactly like that. And this is actually exactly a perfect example of one of those cases where it was an ever changing thing. So it would have been maybe a huge disappointment on our end if it was communicated a certain way to us, but yeah. I gotcha. Now, and you, you were in an interesting situation, like a few of the guys, like Ali and others, where you guys did the Cruiserweight Classic, you were on Raw pretty quickly after, didn't do the NXT route. Were you guys given different deals than the NXT wrestlers, or were you working main roster basically under an NXT-type deal? Uh, I mean, I had, yeah, we all had NXT deals, um, Mine was pretty big. I remember they kind of they gave they they offered me two raises before I actually had a deal. Okay. Um, I think because they thought I might go somewhere else. Hmm. So I remember like getting more than what was normal, but it was still an NXT deal. Everybody was on an NXT deal, and it was like uh, maybe after the a little bit after WrestleMania in Orlando, they they changed it. Everybody signed a new deal, and it was a main roster level deal at that point. Man, that's like hitting the lottery for you guys. It's like out of nowhere. You're like going from the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Man, yeah. like, yeah, Mustafa Ali, I would see him here at Chicago shows. And, you know, it was like one day, boom, he was just on TV. And I was like, wow, that happened really fast, you know. Um, <laughs> do you guys, so when do you guys get moved up to the main roster then? So, like, are you getting, is there like a competitiveness to be on pay-per-views and like get T-shirts and merchandise and stuff like that so you can get those pay bumps or is... Uh, is it just like a kind of a flat deal that you guys were getting? Um, no, I mean, uh, it was, uh, so it, the cool thing for, if we were on like NXT deals, it was cool because there's certain things that come with it that don't come with main roster deals. Uh, because you know, the, the, the level of deal is not the same. So they'll cover certain things that they don't cover when you get to the main roster. So, uh, 
but you also get the same type of bonuses and stuff. So it's like, in a way, if you're on NXT and you're wrestling on the main roster, you're that's like the best case scenario for some of the guys because you're like making a lot extra and getting to keep a lot of it because you don't have to handle like rental cars and hotels and stuff like that. Huh. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so some people that they like, we like not like get jealous, but when we see somebody like coming up, there's like a grace period where they don't switch you over quite yet. And we're like, man, you're in like the best position for the next few months. And, and uh, that's usually like what a lot of guys like when they're like in that, in that middle zone. But, um, but no, I mean, you get the same, uh, the, it, it works the same as far as like shirts and things like that. And I, I did really well at the gate. Like I think even to this day, none of the cruisers lucked out as much as getting what I got initially. Like I got like six shirts and like two action figures and stuff. And I think some of the guys are just barely getting like their first shirts and figures now, which sucks because I think that that's something that could have really helped. Like, the perception of the cruiser weights, I think in terms of the fans, that there was more stuff put out like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, uh, and by the way, I didn't realize we've been talking nearly half an hour. So is it all right if I get a couple more minutes with you here, TJ, just to kind of wrap this up? No, no. Yeah. 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 Whatever you need, whatever you need. Okay, cool. Um, because like, I wanted to ask you on that note, like Leo rush, like current WWE superstar did this like super controversial interview last week where he basically said that he's like essentially broke after having to pay for hotels and travel fees and stuff like that. And since you, you know, brought up how, you know, there's this grace period, we get like a sweetheart deal. I mean, how hard is it to stay profitable when you're on the road having to pay for all this stuff with WWE? Uh, I, see, I don't know about all that. Like I, I think like I couldn't imagine being that tight, but again, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's different. I don't know. Like they, you know, you're taking care of your family. So everybody's situation is going to be different. So I couldn't really speak as far as, as person to person, but like, it's not for me. I know it wasn't that serious, but like in some cases, I like, like I was making relatively the same money, like with TNA and like other times before, but it was good. Like, I mean, I bought a house and I was, you know, comfortable and everything like that. So I don't know about people who are super, super tight. There might be other details of their life that, you know, it's, I guess, none of our business, but right. in my case, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't really that serious, but you know, I mean, if you're not careful and I think for younger people too, like, and, and even just for some of the other guys, like this is the first time they have like either a really good job or it's their first real wrestling job in general. Like a lot of the cruisers was like that, like Ali, for example, is like that. This is his first wrestling job. He's never been in this environment before. So that could be a shock to your system at first how to handle it because you know you're getting a lot but there's a lot of pitfalls that maybe you're not used to you know for, for, for a lot of the guys other than like maybe me and Spanky um that was the case so um you know sometimes it could creep up on you but I mean I, I think that it has to be extenuating circumstances if you're like that tight I got you. Yeah, you know, it's just not nice to hear, you know, when a sitting superstar says, I'm broke because I'm having to pay too much money. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you you pay for a lot, but but you make a lot, you know, and especially like in my case, like I I did get like a lot of shirts and things like that. So I was making good bonuses and stuff. And and I just think as long as you're able to like work a good volume, then then you're going to be making a lot, a lot, a lot. 
Um, but I mean, even if you're sitting, the downsides are, are good. You know, I mean, anytime you're making six figures is, is going to be good. Yeah. Now there was a lot of made of a, this John Oliver piece uh, that came out a little while ago where he talked about at length about WWE classifying the talent as independent contractors. Do you think that that's something they should move away from? Do you think it would be more beneficial for the talent in the business for you all to be looked at more as legitimate employees? Well, I don't know. It, like the labels, I think kind of, kind of to, uh, people's perception of it um but if you take away the labels and you kind of have to just look at it as like well you know it's a business it's going to set it's set up as a system so if that's the ecosystem that all of this exists in then you know maybe that's the case would would it be better if we can be taken care of a little bit better or considered in a different way sure of course anybody would think that but um all i know that i've existed in much worse environments and, and was, and did okay. I've done a lot worse for a lot less and did okay. And, and in some cases I've been taken care of better and it wasn't necessarily, you know, paradise. So, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in as an individual run your life and, survive your life and, and handle it on your own because you can get through it and, and make it what you want it to be. doesn't matter what the system makes it, you can make your life what you want it to be. So, you know, in terms of that, I've never really cared one way or the other. I gotcha. All right. Well, I'll hop off the WWE question. Let's talk a little bit about where you're at right now in the pro wrestling universe. Uh, obviously there's the 900 pound elephant in the room called AEW right now. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> what, what do you think about the launch and how these guys have positioned themselves? Oh man, I mean it's really exciting. I I've known Nick and Matt for so long. I mean since I first started, we we uh, came from the same area, and uh, you know I've I, I remember when they were running their own show in their hometown, and I think I was even their champion at that time um, for like a little bit. So Nick and Matt, everybody loves reunions. We should you know do a nostalgia thing and, <laughs> <laughs> and do it again, um, but. No, I, I think it's it's really cool that they've come so far. And I watched, I mean, just every part of just them, and, and this is not necessarily AEW, but just seeing them go from that to, you know, Dragon Gate and New Japan and all the stuff that they did and doing this is just a natural progression for them because they've always been geared towards being able to be like administrators in this way. And, you know, it's like, I mean, it's like wrestling getting WCW back, you know, it's like a, another banner that a lot of people are going to want to be a part of. And, they're going to do a lot of good stuff and, and it's going to be really exciting. I just think that people need to be patient about the timeline because it's a big endeavor. You know, it's going to be, you know, like a year before they really, you get to see what their next level is going to be. So um, other than that, I mean, I'm really excited to see it. Well, we saw Pac make the leap over there. Have you talked to your good friends, uh, the young bucks there about possibly <laughs> joining up? Should we expect an announcement here pretty soon? Oh, I, you know, like I said, they're really, they're really in their early stages of all of that. And, uh, and they got, they got their core group of guys. Um, I've talked to them a little bit, um, not always necessarily about coming in in that fashion, but I've talked to them a little bit, but maybe that'll be something down the road. But honestly, for me, I don't, I wouldn't be able to land anywhere for a while because I have like 50, 
50 or 60 different events and appearances between May and, and October. So even if anybody wanted me to wrestle somewhere in that capacity, I don't, I wouldn't, I, I don't have the time. <laughs> I so we'll see. We'll see maybe in like six to eight months from now what happened. Okay. So I would take it, you know, it sounds like you're very happy out on the Indies doing your own thing right now. So like Impact, ROH, New Japan, WWE, AEW, these are all things that I would guess you'd like to revisit at the top of 2020. Would that sound about accurate? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe sooner, who knows. But like I said, like the, the next six months or so, like I kind of have my own tour set up. So I'm going to enjoy my freedom a little bit and go some places that I wanted to go and do all the things I wanted to do and, um, and you yeah, know, see where it goes. I got you. Cool. Yeah. I saw you, uh, you're taking some pro wrestling revolver. You're doing some shows for Callahan there. Um, would you, would, yeah, you yeah. Would, would you entertain an impact return? It's like a totally different company now than when you were last there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they've got a hell of a group, man. A lot of the guys are my friends too. I know that they, uh, I believe they just signed Willie Mack. They did. And, uh, he's like one of my, yeah, he's one of my best friends, uh, just in life. Um, and, uh, and I know Rich is there and, and a lot of the guys, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think everybody's got a really good crew now. Ring of Honor's got a really great crew. Um, I think the MLW's got a really great crew. Uh, AAA's got a lot of cool stuff going on right now, especially with their new TV deal and, and, and all that. New Japan, um, I think a lot of people thought that they were going to lose a lot of people just with turnover, especially with the, the juniors and stuff like that. But um, everybody that they got on board is, is amazing. And, and uh, so there's, there's a lot of cool places. And, and uh, I've kind of seen a little bit of everybody and talked to everybody at one point. So we'll see, we'll see where, uh, <laughs> where that, where that takes me, but preferably as long as I can maintain a little bit of freedom, I'd, just looking forward to exploring for the first time in years. Well, you sound like the prettiest girl at the ball right now, the way you put it, TJ, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as long as I'm having fun, I'm just happy to be at the ball. <laughs> That's a good answer. Great answer. Uh, TJ, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you are definitely somebody that I've gotten hit up for requests for. People just wanted to hear from you, what you're doing, what your experiences would like, where you're going. I thought this was great. Love to have you on down the road another time to chat when you've uh, gotten reacclimated to the independent scene. Where would you like to send people to find you, follow you, support you, all those great things online? Well, I uh, I have uh, all my socials are under Mega TJP. Um, I don't I'm not really that big on on uh, socials. I don't have a Facebook or anything, but you could find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mega TJP. And I just launched uh, a new uh, merchandise and clothing brand called. Uh, called detonation kick and you can find my schedule and the shop and everything up at detonationkick.com and pretty much everything you'll find in those three places and uh and i got a lot of other cool side projects that are coming up but you'll find every all the announcement all the news and stuff at mega tjp or detonationkick.com my guest at this time is the former Impact Wrestling World Champion. He can be seen every Friday night as part of Impact Wrestling on Pursuit and Twitch. It's Johnny Impact. Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time to chat here today. Ooh. Gotta admit, it stings a little bit to hear you say the words former Impact World Champion, but um, 
good to talk to you too. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I I had to put it out there to start it off here. I mean, how are you taking the loss? How do you feel no longer being the uh, Impact World Champion right now? Um, I'm not used to losing. I'm uh okay. I'm not used to losing, so uh, I don't take losing very well. And uh, I could even say you you might say I'm a sore loser. But um, I think that goes with the territory of not liking losing and staying motivated. So for me, um, I'm using this loss as motivation. Um, Now, when you say motivation here, are you saying that you're looking to take back the Impact World Championship? Because I was at United We Stand, uh, you know, about a month ago here. And you also, I believe, have a shot at the X Division Championship after winning an Ultimate X match there. I wanted it all. So uh, motivation to train harder, to uh, improve myself. First and foremost, yes, to take back the Impact World Championship. And um, and then, yeah, I've also got the number one contendership for the X Division title. So uh, I guess you could say I like gold, and I want all the gold. Uh, now... I really enjoyed your match with Cage at uh, Rebellion. I really just honestly thought Rebellion top to bottom was just a very good show that everybody should go out and check. But during your match with Cage, uh, you hit him with the Spanish fly uh, off the uh, entrance ramp, and it sounds like he suffered a back injury there. Could you tell as soon as you had hit the move that Brian was no longer moving right and had been injured? Um, I had a feeling that uh, he, was, he was messed up, and... Uh, when I realized that uh, I realized how bad it was, I had to change my strategy because machine uh, is the machine is a a physical phenom. You know, um, he's he's so big and so strong that there's almost nothing you can't do in the ring. So when I uh, when I started realizing that his back was messed up, it was it was exciting. I was thinking like, yes, like. Uh, this is something that I can exploit. This is something that's going to change my strategy of the match for the better, and hopefully I can use that weakness. There's a kink in his armor that's going to lead to me retaining my my championship. And, um, I mean, ultimately maybe I became overconfident um, when I realized how hurt he was, and uh, he he caught me. Um, i, I got to admit, yeah, he, he caught me. He, <laughs> the sun... Even shines on a meathead dog's ass some days, and uh, rebellion was his night, and uh, it doesn't sit very well with me, especially knowing the opportunity that I have that I that I blew, and uh, that's why first and foremost my plan is to take my title back. Now, you know, he was taken to the hospital afterwards um, to get checked on. Here, did you have any chance? Did you did you go go talk to him after the bout, or did you keep your distance after you uh, you guys had finished? Um, I don't really have much to say to Brian, you know, I mean, I think I'm going to let our rematch do all the talking. Um, as a person involved in the business of professional wrestling, I hope this injury doesn't affect his overall career, but, um, I wouldn't be too sad if he's, he's messed up for a few weeks and I get to take on the machine at half strength because, that would be a lot easier to overcome than a full-strength machine. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you haven't you know, bashed a brick over this man's head or anything like that, you know. So. <laughs> that did less damage than, uh, than he sustained at the Rebellion pay-per-view. Um, so 
be like uh, maybe his head is the thickest part of his body. <laughs> um, what did you make of uh, former New Japan star Michael Elgin uh, confronting Brian after the match and kind of, it looks like, inserting himself into the main event title picture? Um, I think Michael Elgin has a, has a lot to bring to the table, and um, he's going to be a good addition to the Impact roster. But uh, he needs to learn that Impact Wrestling has a line. I'm at the front of the line. Johnny Impact is Impact Wrestling. So uh, as long as he knows his role and stays out of my way, it's going to be great to have him at Impact Wrestling. Um, I've got a feeling maybe he doesn't understand things right now, though, so I'm going to have to explain them to him for the next couple of weeks. Well, it did look like he was, you know, making it clear here he would like to get a shot at that Impact World Championship. You know, there's a bit of conversation these days about whether or not a former champion is entitled to an automatic rematch. Do you feel like you are entitled to automatically getting the the next shot at Brian Cage before Elgin? Yeah, absolutely. That's how wrestling works. Former champ is entitled to a rematch. I mean, anybody who watches wrestling should know that. That's that's how I've always understood it. So why would I not? He's, he's gotten rematch after rematch against me. He he gets the title from me. Absolutely, I get a rematch. First first thing, I get a rematch. Um, now, you know, as you've been, you know, fighting and feuding here with Cage over the past couple months, you know, we've really seen a change in attitude from you. Um, calling the fans stupid, you know, pretty directly. Um, now that you're not the Impact Champion, you know, like you say, you maybe got a little full of yourself in that match, cost it to you. Do you do you think we can expect any kind of change in attitude in you, I guess, is what I'm asking. Um, you know, at, at some point, like uh, in the career of a professional wrestler, you get sick of sugarcoating things. And so uh, I started telling the truth to, to Brian, to the fans, to everybody. And um, I don't think that's what cost me. I think... Uh, as much as it pains me to say this, Brian Cage is uh, one of the best in the business. Um, he's almost as good as I am, and uh, Rebellion was his night. I can't take that away from him, but I don't think it was because of my attitude. I'm not changing my attitude. I am, I'm going to be emphatically myself from this point forward. Uh, now, uh, you know, I brought up United We Stand earlier and how you won that X Division uh, title shot or become the number one contender to the X Division title. Um, you know, the last time I talked with you, you were telling me about how much you would like to be in an Ultimate X match. I mean, just, you know, tell me about it. How did you enjoy your experience there? What was it like for you to get to compete in that bout? Pretty cool, because, I mean, imagine, like I said before, the Ultimate X match is one of those Impact originals. It's a, it's a uniquely... Impact match, and um, it, it's something that I've been aware of for years, <laughs> 10, 20 years since the beginning of, of Impact, and um, something that I've always thought was, was really cool because of the unique opportunities to to create things based on the the format and structure of the Ultimate X match. And um, being a part of it was, was really cool. Winning it was even better, and um, it was... It was an awesome night at United We Stand, and the result of it is hopefully um, me getting to compete in another Ultimate X match to win the X Division title, or uh, maybe even better, to cash in this number one contendership and have a one-on-one -on -one match where there's uh, less intangibles mm -hmm. involved. Yeah. Because 
Yeah. To win an Ultimate X match, you don't have to really actually beat anybody. To uh, and um, that that means like I could I could cash in my my number one contendership and not get beat and still not win the X Division title. So to have that number one contendership and an opportunity to to beat somebody one on one for the X Division title is uh is an important thing right now. Yeah, you know that was a really that was a really cool match. Uh, obviously, you know you came out on top, but there was I think maybe the moment of all of I guess what you would call United We Stand WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Ace Austin hitting that insane twenty foot dive off the top of the Ultimate X structure. Uh, what did you think of his decision to do that? Um, and just your take on the epicness of what he did there. Um, I, I think uh, Ace Austin is a is an amazing young talent who has a hell of a future and um deciding to do that 20 foot dive was, was spectacular and and people loved it but <laughs> the difference between him and I is uh, instead of deciding to do a 20 foot dive onto the floor what if he decided to shimmy into the middle and win the title mm-hmm. i mean i'm glad he didn't i'm glad he did that he did that dive because uh maybe he could have become the ultimate x champion if he just grabbed the the, the X from the, the center of the thing really quick instead of diving to the floor. And I think that's the difference between me and uh, a lot of the X Division guys, and it's the difference between me now versus me 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> and Johnny Nitro might have tried to do that same dive and uh, ended up with a, a great WrestleMania weekend moment. But uh, Johnny Impact ended up becoming the number one contender for the X Division title. Do you like that you can now just be like, you know what? You do the twenty foot dive. I'm Johnny Impact. I don't need to do a twenty foot dive anymore. Um, you know, oftentimes I enjoy doing that stuff, and it's it's not a a matter of like me saying you do that, not me. It's it's a matter of the the mindset of what's the most important thing in this match? Winning. Winning is the most important thing. Getting the X division title, like the number one contendership from the middle of the ring, that's the most important thing. Um, pleasing the crowd, pleasing the fans is uh, is great until you realize that a lot of those fans are just there to watch a car wreck. And uh, Ace Austin gave him the car wreck. He was the uh, the NASCAR driver that went down in flames. And um, people respect that. They're entertained by that. But but ultimately, I'm not here for that to, to please the fans. I'm here to win championships. Uh, what did you uh, What did you think of your wife, uh, Taya Valkyrie, successfully defending her Impact Knockouts Championship uh, against Jordan Grace? One of my favorite things about Impact right now is uh, is getting to watch Taya. Her her physicality, her mindset, and her confidence has just been leveling up more and more and more. And uh, watching her beat the crap out of Jordan Jordan Grace and retain the Knockouts Championship was a really proud moment for me and a really proud moment for her. Uh, now, uh, there was a, um, there's a, you know, let me get to my question here. I just realized I have three minutes left with you. This has flown by here real quickly. Okay. Um, uh, there was also another match on the show, an intergender match. Scarlett Bordeaux uh, took on Rohit Raju here. Uh, he's a guy that got this bout by kind of publicly airing his grievances out there like so many wrestlers uh seem to be doing right now what do you what do you make of uh the wrestlers that are currently venting their frustrations uh so publicly on social media 
What are what are his grievances? I wasn't aware of this. Maybe uh, I'm, maybe I'm not following him on Twitter. Oh well, he basically brought up he'd been with the company for two years. Uh, he's never been on a pay per view. He was upset that Scarlett was going to do her smoke show. He talked about how Desi Hit Squad uh, is not getting pushed. They don't have any T-shirts. You know, it was you know grievances about his spot in the company. Hmm. Well, um, he got his shot on the pay per view, I guess, and. Uh, <laughs> I guess we all saw what happened. Yeah, I think uh, I think publicly airing grievances is not necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of times the things that wrestlers complain about are based on their own uh, shortcomings. Mm-hmm. So everyone wants to be champion. Everyone wants to be featured. Everyone wants to be the main events of the biggest show of the year. And honestly, if you don't want that then uh, it might be time for you to find a new line of work. That's what I've wanted. And, um, I mean, I wanted to be the main event of WrestleMania from the very first year I was with WWE. I wanted to be the main impact, the main event of uh, Slammiversary, of uh, Bound for Glory, every time it came around since it started at Impact. And um, every time that didn't happen for me, I was disappointed. I complained about it. So him airing that type of grievance on social media um, feels justified. I mean, that's what he should want, right? He should want to be the main event of a, of a pay-per-view, to be on the pay-per-view. Yeah. But um, there are also a lot of uh, wrestlers who might be a little bit delusional, you know, um, as far as uh, where their talent meets their dreams. And... Um, yeah, you know, it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. As far as uh, being upset that you're not the the main event of a pay per view or not on a pay per view, hell yeah, that's good. I mean, you should be fired up. You should be wanting that. Yeah. It just seems like there's been a rash recently of just a couple wrestlers who have just, you know, that's a thing. Right? It's very trendy, I guess, right now to air your grievances on social media if you're in a, a pro wrestler. I mean, yeah, and also keep in mind, like, airing your grievances on social media doesn't mean that other people don't have those same grievances you know uh you can complain about stuff publicly or you can internalize that stuff and work harder and um working harder is what's going to get you closer to that dream faster than complaining about it publicly uh, last question here to, to wrap us up. Uh, I have to bring it up. You know, of course, you you were on the last season of Survivor, which is like you know my favorite show. Um, have you watched this season? Uh, do you? What do you think of the Edge of Extinction twist? Um, I thought the Edge of Extinction was a, was a great twist. Um, I feel like uh, maybe I'm biased. I feel like the season thirty seven David versus Goliath uh, was the main event of a Survivor and. Um, this uh, edge of extinction is maybe mid card. Oh, you know, oh. um, I think uh, I think there's a lot of great talent. Uh, I mean, like the returning players, I love with uh, Joe, Kelly, David, um, Aubrey, and uh, for some reason, like the the chemistry or the I wasn't as wrapped by this season as I was by last season, and I've heard a lot of Survivor fans echo those sentiments. Oh man, throwing shade, man! You're gonna have to have to yeah, throw down. On. Bring it on, <laughs> season season forty, Edge of Extinction versus David versus Goliath. Whatever you want. So you want to go back to the island? I know, I know, I'm over time here, but you want to go back to the island? Um, not necessarily. Uh, my 
my my main focus is uh is is wrestling and and uh and film and entertainment stuff. Okay. Um and uh and really my number one focus is Taya. <laughs> so uh I had a I had a really great experience on Survivor and I don't regret anything. But it was really hard for me to take that time off and I don't know if I'll have another break in my schedule that would allow me to go back to the island. Uh, well, thank you very much here for the time, Johnny. I'll uh, let you go back to your, your wife, Taya, here. Impact Wrestling is going to be bringing Impact Live TV tapings to Philadelphia on Friday and Saturday, May 3rd and 4th at the famed 2300 Arena, 2300 South Swan Street. The show is going to be taped and air on future episodes of the company's flagship weekly TV show, Impact, on Pursuit and Twitch. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thank you very much, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you very much to TJ. Thank you to Johnny as well. Uh, Both great interviews. Great show here. Happy hump day. Uh, I'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, Justin, you will be gone. Uh, Michael Weissman will be subbing in for you tomorrow. Um, But because of that, we're going to get LeVar three days next week, everybody. So you're going to be jacked up on LeVar next week. Um, But we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I will be joined by Michael Weissman. I'm going to have interviews with Barry Horowitz and Ethan Page. Barry Horowitz, Justin. I'm so stoked. I love this. Make interview. sure you pat. Make sure you pat yourself on the back. I start the interview saying that you knew me. You know what I was going to do. I uh, know you. Uh, Barry Horowitz and Ethan Page. They'll be on the show here tomorrow. Uh, of course, if you uh, want to come find a Starcast too, May twenty fourth. It's a Friday before uh, st- uh, Friday before Double or Nothing. Two p.m. We'll be on the podcast movement stage at the Tuscany Suites and Casino for our pro wrestling journalism panel and Hoot and Nanny. And if you want to come out to that, you want to support the site. And if you can't come out to that and want to support the site, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestlinginc. Go get your Jack Journalist t-shirt, an old school Wrestling Inc. logo. Uh, Take a picture of yourself. Share it on social media. We'll retweet it out, show you some love. And if you want to show some love, go over to our iTunes page, Wrestling Inc. Audio, five-star rating, and leave us a nice comment or leave us, I've been telling people, fart jokes on the iTunes page. Those also work. Whatever you want to do. You know, have a good time. Just enjoy your life. Uh, and with that, Justin, uh, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today? Uh, follow me on social media at Justin Labar. Great. I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>